0: Hello everyone, Uh, welcome to another exciting episode of the Curious K podcast. Uh, My name is Colapo and I'm your host. And as you know, this is the Web 3 series team version of the podcast and in the course of this series, I'll be having amazing conversation with founders, key stakeholders across the African continent and beyond on demystifying Web 3 and the opportunities in the space uh so the essence of this series is to explore the web3 landscape and the first series on this episode was focused on blockchain game and in this episode we we'll explore web three application decentralized autonomous organization also known as dao and subsequent episode we explored DeFi, stable coins privacy and digital infrastructure and the creator economy so you should watch out for that and this episode features Philip Inkwam, uh, who is a Technical Lead on Mura Research at Sensu Cancer Treatment Foundation. He also works as a Technical Trainer at the Ball Africa. Uh, so Philip, welcome to Creoscape Podcast. It's an honor to have you on the show today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for all, me.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's great to have you. So how are you today?
1: Um, I'm uh, very well, um, you know, technical things since we started the day, but it's going
0: on perfectly well. Well, well yeah. Perfect work, yeah. All right, great. Uh, so l- let's just start with getting to know you. So can, can you tell us or share with us your journey into tech?
1: All right. Um, yeah, thank you so much for that. My journey into tech, um. I started quite young i mean and um so apparently what i started with a couple of things i started with when well, not things i ended up with and as mm. though I've, I've, I've gone around the ecosystem and seen what i really love and following the advent of things so when i was in my high school i started out with um, ethical hacking like, and cyber security right and what i loved today was the fact that i was able to get into my school system and pull out lots of exam questions and yeah apparently really? so, <laughs> yeah
0: that, that's interesting <laughs> so,
1: so, so that was where the passion came from from the idea that oh i can actually do any mysterious thing with 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 tech right i can do anything i want i can bypass anything right Break rules and all of those things so that was where the, the interest and passion came from sadly <laughs> so um, and then when i was done i when I go into uni, um, going to medical school precisely, amazing. And from um, for my first year, I started how to call front end. That was why I started out with and um, by my 200 level, I started working with a full as a full-time employee of Lexitech. So at Lexitech, I, I was entirely focused on um, web the front end aspect and but then because of my because of my love for data, um I decided. Uh, okay, to be honest, one of the reasons why I stopped front end then was because of media query. I know if you know media query well, it helps, it helps you with uh, responsiveness of any website, right? So I had lots of issues with it, and it was so tiring having to fix all of those bugs. And I just decided, okay, you know what? It seems like this front end is not for me, right? And then <laughs> I thought, okay. I want to go entirely into data. I want to um, explore data, not just data analysis or anything. I want to explore core data. And it led me to machine learning, having to study all of the algorithms and reading research papers, just exploring all of the things data can do and nursing the power of data and algorithmic innovations. Right, So that was literally where my interest came from. And it was my love for data that got me to got me into exploring the whole blockchain system because, I mean, somebody is telling you you um, can actually decentralize data. Oh, because of that data element, it really attracted me and I was so interested in it. And so, what I do core now is core ML, right, whatever ML, hand the blockchain, right? So, that's entirely So, ML, gaps. you're
0: referring to machine learning, right?
1: Yes, machine learning, which is a subset of AI.
0: Alright, great. I mean, thank you, thank you for sharing that uh philly but i think that's really, really really interesting and i mean i just want to have to follow-up a uh, question in terms of uh i mean your passion getting to, were you self-taught all through or did you go to <laughs> <structured> program <laughs>
1: all right when i tell most people this thing I, I think they tend not to be because classroom person even in high school even in uni i am not this classroom person so all of the things i learned in te- everything in self-taught, self-taught entirely
0: that, that that's amazing <laughs> that's that's really amazing yeah. all right yeah so so let's get into like the core ideas of web 3 i mean when you were talking about data and you mentioned it's really exciting for you if data can be yeah. decentralized i mean what can you do with that uh, so so tell us what are some of the core ideas i mean of web 3 as well
1: all right, um, so before we can actually explore the core it's of the web, the whole thing about it, right? It's the whole core element about it. We need to start from the ground up, right? So the old web three comes from um, web one, right? Web one, web two, web three. And so when the internet came about, we had a web one era where just so you could only see things on pages, click on hyperlinks, and only see things on pages like flyers right and then because of the limitations of these things we, we proceeded to web 2 where we had much more dynamic and interactive pages where people can actually launch their data compared to web 1 we just saw static pages we could not impute anything so the creator on the other hand or the developer on the other hand could not actually harness any data right except the viewers so they could not harness any data compared to the web 2 era, where we had interactive and dynamic pages where we had lots of people impute data. And so it's consequently, the creators or the developers have to gather a whole lot of data from the users imputing all of these informations because you know, dynamic and interactive pages. And then this led to lots of harmful things, right? People began to explore the data we get from users and um, do lots of things with them, right? We've seen hard within lots of cyber I mean, issues, comes from the fact that, okay, creators have data from people. And one of the most complex things as a machine learning engineer, sometimes I realized that most of all of these algorithms, for example, I'll pull out the TikTok um, recommended system algorithm. So recommender system algorithms are the likes of these algorithms that you feed in with data and recommend things to users, right? So because of all of the data that we're gathering from people, they can actually um, predict the psychology of those people right mm. so because i can predict your psychology i can pull you all around here and there the whole, the whole ecosystem so it's it, web 2 resulted to um people's minds con- consumers minds being manipulated right so that was the core point for me right that was the core point the fact that many people can actually get this data and manipulate human minds i mean if you know there is a course currently that i really love right I- there is a course by Stanford University called Symbolic Systems, right? Symbolic System um, focuses on human mind psychology and how you can infuse that with AI and um, ML, right? Core ML. So you can actually understand how people think, right? And implement it into an AI system, gather their data. And <laughs> so, because of, yeah, literally, I mean, amazing but manipulative things. So, re, um, knowing all of these things, I just okay, you know what? I heard about the blockchain. I mean, it started over as this crypto thing that can be hosted on several nodes and not a central server. So there is no central yeah, so, so,
0: so what so what do you mean by nodes? I mean for the non-tech uh listener all right trying all to right. just follow up with the conversation.
1: All right, good. So just imagine the bridge, you have a whole glass,
0: right? And that's
1: right into several pieces mm, so yeah. you move like a central glass to a distributed glass so node the idea of nodes came from what we call distributed systems right and the idea of distributed systems is you don't necessarily have to have one central authority managing everything you don't have to have one central server managing everything so we can split a server and we uh, can distribute the server that's the idea Can distribute the server so much so that every single person which is a node in that network is a participant. All of them make up the central server. So it's not peculiar to one particular central authority. Okay? So the node is just like that broken glass. That piece of the broken glass, right? That makes what is it's distributed across several people, several pieces that make up the whole network. Right. So that's the Amazing. idea. Amazing. Yeah, it's called from a distributed system. Yeah.
0: Great. All right. Yeah. So, uh, and, and I think people also talk about like uh, Web3. Uh, I mean, you, you, you mentioned control. Uh, yeah. You also mentioned who uh, can also interact, people can be manipulated. But I mean, yeah. Web3 can decentralize most of these things. And people also say Web3 is trustless. I mean, I mean, it yeah. operates incentives, for example. I mean, I was reading some things about it and someone was referring to Uber, for example. All right. Yeah. Uber or Google, you know, taking control of the old watch data and all that. So can you talk yeah. about the Web3? Uh, can you talk about Web3 as an economic mechanism, you know, giving people incentives instead of relying on, on trusted on, on top trust packages? all right
1: so i mean there's a whole there's a whole fuss around this third party issue and it's not just entirely about huber it's about google it's about microsoft because all of these people yeah very high end third party authorities right when a case study of huber and how that um, compared to a decentralized um system where you can have incentive to people so let me talk about that so the whole incentive structure around the blockchain ecosystem it's it's one of the one of the core protocols it does that, right, is Ethereum, right? So the Ethereum network works in such a way that every single um, transaction you make, right, on the blockchain, every single, every change, every every transaction is a change of state in the blockchain, right? Um, so for every change of state, which is a transaction on the blockchain, right, is stored in a block. Right, and every block hosts all of these transactions. But you need to seal up a block, block before you can create a new block. Right? So if you and I send uh, make transactions, we sending anything, we're making changes on the state of the blockchain. Stop the whole transaction and validate the whole transaction. Who will do that? We have what we call miners. So in the course of having to bundle all of these transactions in blocks, there is a particular thing you would find, which is called a nonce. I mean, I don't want to go into your complexities, but I'm trying to simplify it at this point. Yeah. So there is a particular nonce you would have to find, right? And you can only be based on certain computations. So you need high-end systems, very high um computing machines right to do all of these things and so that is what we call the miners so these miners are those people that go through these computational um, challenges right just to find that particular nonce to validate the transaction for things you make on the ethereum mainnet right which is a transaction you're making you are charged for a gas fee and where did gas fee came from gas fee came. gas fees came from what we call the Turing halting problem right so because the ethereum network the blockchain is a, a turing based machine it's it's follows the turing um laws right so what happens is that in a turing machine there is something we call the halting problem and what is the whole holding, holding problem it's a it's a law that states that you cannot no algorithm can precisely determine if um a particular function would um, a particular loop would be infinite or finite, right? So it's a, the ultimate problem literally states that no algorithm, nothing, right, can determine if a loop is infinite or finite. So if you run a loop, right, you attach conditions to it. If you leave it, if you leave that loop like that, no algorithm can if it's infinite or finite. So because we cannot build, um your blockchain around any infinite thing and where nothing is nothing is um, being regulated right so we need to attach a regulation a limitation on the blockchain because ultimate problem is a problem of limitation so you cannot limit things that happens on the blockchain we need to do something we need to create a limitation intentionally so that was where the gas fee came from if you don't have a gas fee you can never change the state of anything on the blockchain you can never make a transaction. So you need that gas. It's a very, very small, minute fee that
0: you have to pay before you can do anything on the blockchain, right? So that's it. All right. Re- really interesting. All right. So in terms of the core ideas of Web three now, I mean, we, we can see it is decentralized. I mean, uh, it is trustless. It has native payments, and uh, it is also permissionless. Uh, I think that was the time I was hearing you speak, and you mentioned maybe. Uh, permission and permissionized network but of course we'll get to that in the course of the conversation all right so philip let us know so why is web three important what is why i mean i mean this is like new technology that is believed that is going to transform all industries why 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 is it important what makes it so important all
1: right all right good so how okay, that pertaining to incentives right gas fees can be paid to miners and holy but I won't go into the complexities of that. But another way, so important, is to provide us uh, to protect from cybersecurity issues, right? So if you have all of these trusted parties, if you have no, I wasn't a trusted party, if you have all of these third party um, organizations, right? Security is not so guaranteed, right? And the security on the blockchain is so guaranteed. Because it's a trustless thing it is entirely guaranteed so one thing is it's all the security challenges surrounding um the internet and the web ecosystem right another thing
0: so you can't have your system acting too easily or banks can be acting too easily and get your money stolen and all that
1: exactly so in the blockchain the blockchain we call it a cryptographically secured space right it entirely secured um uh, cryptographs right lot of mathematical computations that most people can nobody can actually reverse them right (laughs) right. because it is cryptographically secured right we can actually and that's why it's trustless we can actually hold all of these things accountable and be like okay nothing can happen yet because cryptography is sort of sort of literally sort of compared to all of these people and another thing i mean one of the advents of the three is what we call dids right we call them decentralized identities um decentralized identity to access web right or to access anything you just need to have a did that he, only you hone nobody owns it google because your normal google auth or your microsoft auth google has all of your data microsoft has all of your data but when you use your dids your data belongs to you right so even if you're assessing lots of websites with your DID, which is your auth, instead of Google auth or Microsoft auth, right? You can use your DIDs to access anything, get into any website, register and log into any website, and your details and the default for us because of the hard events of AI and HTML, right? Because there are a lot of violations also. Now to restrict these violation, to so withhold their data, we need to have, allow consumers to have power over their data. So they don't have power over their data companies can literally manipulate it so the idea of a blockchain and the node thing is that participating as a node in your blockchain every single data you have belongs to you it belongs to your node nobody else has it the the liberty to hold your data right and determine anything that happens to your data If you want to sell your data fine you want to hold it back fine actually one of the reasons so we don't have to put all of our data in these central authorities when it gets hacked it's totally lost right and I mean lots of other other things these are just like the major things that I believe the blockchain really really, web3 stands for
0: yeah all right great thanks for that Uh, I mean that's really powerful in terms of identity there's a lot of identity theft i think part of the thing you also reference is ownership you know i can yeah. i can i own my data right i don't have to you know store all my data with google i'm using gmail uh gmail might wake up tomorrow and just kick me out of yeah getting yeah. service right yeah. Yeah. you know but through three gives me that ownership and i think that's that's really important and powerful all right yeah so so let's talk about uh how people can get involved. I mean, we have people listening right now. They're hearing a whole lot of things about the importance of Web3, this and that, the IDs. How can people get involved in Web3? What is the process like? What are the things that people can explore uh, to be part of this this, this amazing technology? All right.
1: Um, Thank you so much for that. Uh, Pertaining to Web3 spaces, one of the core things um the primary thing is an interest right but yeah it comes with first comes with an interest you need to have that interest because i mean you have to study a whole lot of things that happen in this space so once you have the interest the first thing i believe you should study if you want to get into web three, it as a spectator or as a developer the first thing you need to do is to understand how the blockchain works right you need to understand entirely how the blockchain is. you just study ethereum go to ethereum website study the white paper and if you're a mathematical and inclined person study the yellow paper because the yellow paper is very very technical has loads of all those mathematical algorithmic things right but then if you're starting out just check out the white paper the bitcoin white paper and ethereum white paper right get to know how the whole thing works because they document every single thing from A to z right every single thing that i um um, the, the blockchain entails or the ethereum blockchain entails or bitcoin entails right or binance even binance smart chain right you can study their white paper and understand how it works but then as a developer um if you want to start out as a developer in web three space you can you can be this web two developer that can transit right transition into web three right because even in web three the only difference is the fact that you're building a blockchain based package protocol that's the difference we still use the web 2 infrastructures we use react we use i mean node we use all of those things we use python literally all of those things so different. so even as a web 2 developer like a normal developer you can easily transition into web 3 space the only thing you have to do first is the interest and then afterwards study how the blockchain works study white papers the bitcoin white paper the ethereum white paper and understand them. I believe you're good to go. And if you want to go forward, study Polygon. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> our polygon. All. all right. So w- what yeah. about communities? Are, are there communities, you know, you can, you, can, you can recommend that you think? I mean, it's just an amazing community people can enjoy to learn, you know, or communities they can find here and there, uh, you know?
1: All right. Yeah, there are actually lots of communities. And one of the things we're doing in the blockchain space is to make sure a lot of educations like community or hern web three down. You can also look into polygon. Right, polygon has a very wide community, and you can also look into alchemy. You can go to Twitter, check alchemy A-L-C-H-E-M-Y So check alchemy, alchemy university. Um, it just launched, right? So you can actually learn from zero to hero web three, and then come on, you learn a whole lot another thing is build space build space we have a, a, an infrastructure around uh, web 3 where you can learn too, right so yeah all of these people have their yeah, discord communities right so you can join the discord channel meet lots of other people but then more importantly we have what we call DAOs right those DAOs many of them you pay to join them developer DAO and all of these things so
0: that's it okay that's decentralized autonomous organized, and that's yeah. actually i mean what i wanted to talk about so tell us about daos can you just simplify what dao means you know so people just really get to understand what is dao all right you want
1: to understand what dao means right you need to understand basic things a dao is just a um it's an entity i think in the simplest form it's an entity with no central leadership mm, okay a DAO is simply an entity so,
0: so, so who owns it yeah. the people who own it the community owns it
1: yes the community owns it because behind every DAO is what we call a consensus mechanism where if you want to take any decision so ideally the, the DAO is, a, is an organization constructed by its own rules right so if you really want to do anything you have to follow what we call a consensus mechanism where every single the um any decision you want to make pertaining to that particular organization has to come from 51% of people, right? So the the larger the votes, the more viable the decision, right? So you don't make one uni- you don't make one um, central decision, you make unanimous decisions. Everybody makes decisions. So that's just a simple idea of a doubt, right? So you're just yeah
0: and how does that connect to to smart contracts
1: okay good so um you need to understand what smart contracts are themselves right so a DAO is built into a smart contract okay Yeah, but the whole ecosystem organization written into lines of code so what you do is you write a smart contract and i call it self-executing is because by the time you write it you write all of the rules involved and you deploy it into any blockchain protocol, it self-executes. You can't modify it anymore. You cannot modify it anymore. So as long as it self-executes, nobody can change anything. Nobody can modify anything, right? So how it links is, before you can build any DAO, a DAO is built on a, built on a blockchain and a DAO is written into a smart contract, right? And that smart contract, which is self-executing, is deployed into a blockchain protocol
0: which Great. is the EVM,
1: so, mostly right. EVM.
0: Okay. So can I can I be part of a, a DAO without necessarily being a developer? Can I contribute to projects or be part of community, you know, building around different maybe Web3 applications and not necessarily be a developer? Does that work?
1: Oh, yeah, it works. It works. I mean, the whole hmm. blockchain ecosystem, it's just like the normal ecosystem. We don't need only developers. They're community managers, a lot of other people. They're graphic designers, they're um, UX um, user experience designers, to a lot of other things, right? So we, we have DAOs for UX um, developers. We have DAOs for UX design. Um, designer DAO, designers DAO. So you can join the DAO as a UX designer. And, yeah, you don't need to be a developer to join any job. You can
0: be a program manager or a product
1: manager, right? So, yeah, that's it. All
0: right, cool. I mean, let's talk about some of the interesting projects we've worked on, Philly. I know before we had this, started this podcast, I mean, we are talking about the Mirai research about cancer that you're working on. It would be great for, for us to learn more about about that project.
1: So the idea of Mirai came from... Um, so uh, i just want to go from the beginning right so mit published an article um mit research was actually published an article on mirai it was an algorithm they developed and this algorithm was supposed to do what we call breast cancer risk assessment algorithm so from a simple mammogram it can detect if a particular patient in the next five years the risk of that patient having cancer in the next five years, right? And so they trained this algorithm and validated it across um, MGH, that's Massachusetts General Hospital, across Sweden and lots of other countries, European countries mostly, and none was validated in Africa. So I saw it, I saw all of the, um, all of the intricacies, and and I reached out to Adam Yala, so Adam Yala and Regina Basile built it, for and so I just we just talked to them, right? Um, with Sensiru, right? I was part of Sensiru. I am part of um, Sensiru, team, So we just had a um, meeting with them, struck a partnership, okay? We can actually validate this algorithm across our own dataset. So we can gather a dataset from Sub-Saharan Africa and we validate this algorithm. So we see the performance of this algorithm on black populations, and you can know where you're building your infrastructure around. So, because if you have any problem with any algorithm, doing cancer detection one of the things we struggle uh, oncologists struggle with is false positive and false negatives right mm. so what it has you said the person does not have and the person does not have and you said the person has it right so in order to mitigate all of those things and limit all of those things right we need to actually be part of it because at the end of the day they would deploy this algorithm it will be widely used trust me this is MIT they will sponsor this thing and it will ev- eventually come here and of course lots of advocate because we knew we were we knew we were stakeholders and we were part of this thing. we decided to just jump on that um, research and I mean it's going pretty well and perfectly well. We had partnerships um, partnership and hospitals here in Lagos, sub Saharan
0: Africa soon soon. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank thank you for talking about that. So any other projects you want to talk about you've built on web three?
1: Okay, so um one exciting one which is still on the uh, on on Um, It's it, right? What should be coming out soon is PolyPay. So, PolyPay is what I'm building currently. PolyPay is a crypto exchange solution. Uh, It's um, where you can buy, you can sell. And so, there is no liquidity, right? There is no Mm. liquidity. But Uniswap Uniswap stands at um, liquidity, right? So, there is an integration of Uniswap where you can actually exchange tokens aside just so the principal thing is you are buying you you're you are transferring um crypto or you're talking to anything to anybody in the world right so three core things you can change your fiat to crypto For crypto to fiat you can um you can provide liquidity by Uniswap and you can actually send crypto to anybody in the world right so you solve stable payment solution instead of going through PayPal or anything or refinance you can actually just come on the website transfer your fiat to crypto transfer your crypto to anybody right that comes back to the website just connect to get the crypto transfer it back to fiat if you want to exchange to maybe Matic or you can do that before you transfer to your fiat and then cash out right withdraw to your local bank yeah yeah i
0: think that, that, that 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 that's that's really beautiful I think that's an amazing solution uh i mean if it makes it easy for people just to switch and when, when you talk about crypto do you mean what, what types of crypto are you are you talking about here on the platform is it just bitcoin or other other um, cryptocurrencies? Supported, right? can have, um, Okay. all right great yeah so philip is there any other thing you'd like to share with us as we round off
1: Alright, so one of the things I actually like to advocate around your blockchain thing is people really need to understand what certain things So for example we have we had this FTX collapse right recently. And we have we had the Binance supposedly hack And we really need to educate people about these things, how that these things do not compromise the blockchain structure, right? The blockchain is decentralized, it's trustless, it is still the same, it is not hackable, you can't hack into it. So we need to really let people know what really happened when these things happened. So pertaining to the Binance hack, it was not a hack on the smart chain, right? It was not a hack, it was not one hack on the particular blockchain itself, right? It was somebody who, because you can mint tokens, you can create your own tokens and provide liquidity for them on any blockchain right, on any Ethereum blockchain, Binance blockchain, so you can mint it. You can, you can can create a token, mint as much as you need, like it's like your own money, right? Mm. You provide liquidity for it. So this particular guy, right, uh, created his token, minted lots of tokens, right? And he did one thing, he named the token something similar to the Binance token, which is a BD, mm. right? So he named it named be something similar. And what he did was, Emitted lots of tokens, and because people saw, and, and people really need to understand core things they need to observe before they buy any token. So two things with the loopholes. Were, number one, this particular guy, right, locked any transaction to be made with the token. Right, so you can actually get the token, but there is a precise time you need to achieve before you can actually use that token. So it's it's locked, right? So first thing, emitted lots of tokens it was similar to that name but not exactly that name of the binance token and another thing they did was he had the most um, um amount of that particular token and it's a problem right in any blockchain in any protocol if it's a consensus mechanism right it's a proof of stake mechanism where if somebody has the highest stake it can actually overthrow the whole network right <laughs> so he had the highest stake and he had could actually lock withdrawals. Could actually lock anything you want to use that token to do. Right. So lots of people bought those tokens, and because he had the IST he could actually overthrow all of their token, collected everything, and because I mean, it already had liquidity. They mm-hmm. had lots yeah. of orders, right? So he was able to gather all of this token back, and which is a valuable token, right? And because it could transfer them to ETH, it has lots of liquidity too, and it was able to pull out about $200 million out of, I think, $600 million. So it could not pull out the remaining $400 million because, I mean, it didn't have the time. So it could actually pull out about 60 something ETH, right? It amounted to about $200, $200 million. And it went away with it. So the wise thing is to a precise token, know when to buy a particular token. Know when somebody is holding a higher stake of a particular token. The same thing happens pretend to this FTX, right? That was one of the loopholes. Yeah. FTX has about eight billion dollars um, of, of this. I think eight billion. Is it dollars of this token, right? And somebody was holding about three billion. I mean, how does that work? Three out of eight billion, right? <laughs> Definitely, somebody is holding it, and can actually overthrow the whole network. One of the things we realized was they could actually predict a peg. Right, there was a time we were standing at $22. the we're standing at $22. Static, static, and that's the problem. You cannot influence any token, you cannot influence any tokens at all. You should not, then, so a compra, um, beat. It- FTX, yes, they are centralized exchanges. They are not decentralized, despite the fact that they are holding crypto, right? Providing liquidity, decentralized. They, they they are centralized exchanges.
0: Yeah, great. T- thank you for sharing that, Philip. Uh, uh, I think I was reading something about it, and I think someone actually made a reference to to the same point in terms of the integrity of the blockchain network. is still there. It's still early, although there are some loopholes. And there's still a lot of opportunity and things that that can be viewed. So so thank you very much for for sharing that. And um, thank you very much for being on the podcast. It's been an amazing conversation. All right. So everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I would just like to end this episode with this very interesting quote I saw somewhere. And it says, if you're not paying for it, you're not the customer. You are the product. Thank you very much for listening. Can you recommend this show to your friends and please subscribe to the show wherever you get up on.